Hi, this is Eric. A little bonus here for this episode. I asked my eight-year-old son, Gavin, what his favorite part of Flash Gordon is. What's your favorite scene of Flash Gordon? When Flash and Prince um, Baron fight on the two discs in the Hawkman City. And why is that your favorite scene? Because it's a good fight, and I like that Flash saves Prince Baron after he fights him, and he joins forces with him to stop Ming. And what's your favorite part of the scene? Is there like a favorite specific part of the scene? Um, when Flash um, helps Prince Baron uh, um, off the discs when he helps him up. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is minute 76 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you tonight? Brad, I'm dangling over an endless abyss. Please don't distract me. Can't chat right now. It's a long way down. We don't know where the bottom is, but we know uh, joining us tonight, and we're, we still have a fantastic guest to, to help pull you back up top. So, uh, Eric, who is with us today? We have actor and, I will reveal as well, old high school chum, Matt Ober. <laughs> hey, everybody. How you doing? This is uh, Matt. We had such a great time with you yesterday. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, is have you done other podcasts? Is this uh, is this a field that you've uh, dabbled in before? Here and there, I've uh, I've done some podcasts. Um, not not a ton of them, honestly. Uh, but I enjoy the sound of my own <laughs> voice, so I think it's a medium that I'm that I'm suited for. Um, in the past, when you've done podcasting, usually what's the format? I know uh, there's been some really good, um, sort of almost radio play-esque podcast. Um, or is it, you know, sort of pop culture stuff? Or, you know, usually what is uh, what is your role when you, you, you get involved in the world? I have not done acting on a podcast. I did do a radio play at one point back in New York, but that was before podcasts had really been a thing. Um, so I'm familiar with acting <laughs> without being seen, which is, is a pretty sweet gig. But um, <laughs> I did one uh, with, with friends that was about parenting, and um, I've done some like interviews here and there to promote stuff, but um, nothing quite as specific as what you guys are up to here. It's It's... It's nice to uh, know exactly what I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that makes sense. Very cool. Well, we're having a great time with you. Um, it, it's always uh, yeah, it's 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 great. And we've had fantastic guests on this show, but I think the, the vast majority have been other minute by minute podcasters, which is great. Um, and Often life is easy when you have other minute-by-minute minute people because they're very used to a format. But it's really cool to have people from outside that world who have a different perspective and you get a different energy. And then the fact that you and Eric are old friends also uh, provides even another cool energy. So um, it's really fun having you. We're uh, very, very lucky to have you with us. So uh, thanks again for taking the time. It's, well, it must be so refreshing for both of you to talk to someone who doesn't know what the hell is going on. That must, what, you're welcome. <laughs> well, it's funny. We've definitely had guests who watched the movie for the first time 
in, in advance of being on the podcast, but you might have the distinction of having gone the <laughs> longest without watching it and being on the podcast. Oh, that's 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 quite a trophy to, to claim. I'm I'm, I'm happy. It's good to be a trailblazer. I will say. Do you actually remember anything about the movie having if, if, with having been so long since you saw it? Um, I remember it being frightening. I remember being scared, and I will say I do remember taking a. I was on a boat, like a ferry, I believe in Mexico, and Flash Gordon was playing on the TV on the ferry, but it was in Spanish. So that doesn't quite, that doesn't quite help. Uh, but it was surprising to me that Timothy Dalton was in the movie. I was like, oh, there he is. Look at that. Yeah, so it's all, it's all new Bond. to me. Yeah, yeah pre-James Bond. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, so, Eric, w- w- let's dive in. What what happens in uh, Minute 76 of Flash Gordon? Well, we start out with Flash doing his best to save Baron instead of letting him die like uh, Voltam wants him to. And um, even, you know, Flash just so so pure at heart, such such a good man, even as he's 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 trying to save this guy who just killed him, and he says, you can do it, Prince. He's calling him Prince, showing him respect, using his title as he's saving him from the abyss. Just the, 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 the most good man you could possibly have. Sort of ties into what we were talking about yesterday, where uh, Flash doesn't really win this fight. He sort of... It's sort of a draw, but he, by just mostly luck, he's able to get the upper hand. And so that's not what makes Flash cool, is the fact that he has Baron at his mercy. Baron was not being merciful when he had the upper hand. He was trying to shove a spike through Flash's head and wouldn't even like pay lip service. It's like, sure, I'll uh, team up with uh, uh, Voltan to take on me. He, you know, he could have just said it. And Flash, on the other hand, he's trying real hard to save Baron. And you're right. And not just that he's grabbing his hand and help, trying to pull him up, but he's also, like, cheering him on. And uh, it, it that is consistently what makes Flash so likable, is he's just a good guy. And a lot of credit to Sam Jones, where he's been able to portray this good guy without him coming across as... Uh, you know, cheesy or lame, uh, outside the parameters of the movie. You, you know, he, he's and still likable and you're still rooting for him. So it, it's sort of, that is really what shows how cool Flash is, that he's able to do that uh, and it works and you're still rooting for him. And he hasn't lost us at, at any point during this movie. And, you know, it's interesting that Baron's holding on to that spike and Voltan wants him to die. Why Voltan could just retract the spikes at that exact minute, and and that's it. Baron's dead. He's not. Mm. Gonna, he's got nothing to hold on to anymore. A little bit of uh, you know, story reasons that the spike stays up. Yes, it, it would totally be within Voltan's character too. Just you, you would see him sort of looking up, whistling, and hitting the button so that spike goes into the back into the ground so Voltam and Baron would like fall screaming and Baron just giving a laugh roll credits <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, so speaking let, let's reveal something about the spikes because we've talked about them so much yesterday today and last week uh, if you look closely everybody Flash's left leg as he's trying to help Baron up bumps into a spike 
and the spike very clearly flops and bends over, clearly made of rubber, so uh, shattering the illusion there. I didn't catch that. Yeah, not quite as obvious as the old uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space when they bump into uh, what is clearly a cardboard uh, uh, headstone in the cemetery. (laughs) I mean, but the spike that, that Prince is pulling himself up on is clearly that's not foam because he's putting all his weight on it. So you got to right, be careful yeah. which ones. It's almost more dangerous to have some made of foam. Oh, that's true. You know, you yeah, also yeah. you you get a good look at Sam Jones's roots about halfway <laughs> through the minutes, and I'm looking. You know, sometimes you can tell the dye job. It's it's pretty good. He's they're right in there. Oh yeah, he, he yeah he, he uh but uh, how how long did they have to film this, Eric? I I know was oh it was a it was a long time. It was uh I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was it was not a short shoot. <laughs> so you think maybe the dye had to be applied more than once at some point? Oh yeah, absolutely. there could be scenes where they caught him in between dye jobs. Uh, they they need to sort of get the get get to the roots. I will say there's some continuity issues with the blood yes. on 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 um prince baron's hand yes yes there is <laughs> but i would imagine any movie that you watch this closely you're going to find stuff like that oh yeah this is uh doing a minute by minute podcast is a great way to really uh magnify and understand all the things that you love about a movie and also a fantastic way to ruin a movie you love oh yeah we we've been very lucky because we continue to love this movie, um, and Flash Gordon is not a film that you lose respect for it. When you see continuity errors, it's like, oh, of course, it's a ridiculous movie. There should be continuity errors and silliness like that. Yeah, it's one right. of the reasons I love the movie in the first place. So, it is your guys' belief that this movie succeeds in its ambition? That it's set out to be a sort of, you know. Fellini kind of camp odyssey, and it succeeds in that, right? Yeah. In fact, Dino De Laurentiis, who produced it, approached Fellini to direct this in the beginning. Wow. And he was like, pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that wouldn't have worked with Fellini. It, it, there had been so many problems in the past with great art directors trying to do something that's inherently a little campy or a little schlocky and it just falling on their face. Uh, you think of Ang Lee directing the first Hulk film and that mm. did not work. And um, God, who, who directed Dune? It was... Um, Wasn't it David Lynch? Yeah, David Lynch directing Dune. You can see Lynch just struggling against his uh, more out-there out instincts and it sort of benefited no one. You gotta give somebody the reins of these things, though. You know. You do, but uh, when you have these directors who are, it, it can be challenging for a director that doesn't have great commercial instincts to try to subvert that. Right. And, and listen, it can work. Uh, Chris, Christopher Nolan has some great out there instincts, and but he was still able to make some great Batman movies. Uh, because he was able to sort of tone down some of the crazy, some of the more um, artistic um, avant-garde leanings that he have, 
just enough to make a, a really accessible film uh, film series. And, you know, so it can work, but not always. Right, right. He did Insomnia right before Batman. Is that, am I, I could look that up, but it was something like that. Yeah, I think it was Insomnia. The, the Robin Williams movie? Yeah. Yeah, Pacino. Yeah, Pacino, Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, he also did, of course, Memento before before that. So these were some think pieces and sort of challenging movies. And then uh, to take over the reins of Batman, uh, which was a film series that nah, people weren't 100% sure they were ready for more Batman movies because <laughs> Batman and Robin hurt people. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think... Batman is always ready. People are always ready for more Batman, but they are. They are. They're ready when it happens. But uh, they, they get, you know, they usually get pretty upset when they announce who's cast and who's directing it. I one of my my brother signed up for like the Columbia Record Club, whatever that was called, where you get like you know fifteen albums for a dollar or something, and he made me sign up where I had to pick one album, and I picked the Batman soundtrack because i thought it would just be the audio of the movie and i was like oh i'll just listen to the movie i thought i would hear the and then there was all, this, all these prince songs i was like what the, what is this I don't want yeah that um that prince album for that was crazy uh that and that was yeah. prince's last big selling album uh what people don't yeah oh, really? it, because Prince was sort of at the end of his his commercial peak, but if he slapped a Batman symbol on anything, it would sell at that point. And um, but you know, the, it wasn't his best stuff, and it was also music that really wasn't featured that heavily in the movie. I think there was one song towards the end that got pretty heavily featured, but it wasn't like it's not like Flash Gordon, where Queen does a soundtrack, and damn it, Queen does a soundtrack, and this movie would not be the same film without the Queen music. Uh, if you just took out Prince's music from the Batman, the first Batman film, uh, you would not really be losing anything. Well, wasn't even the album was like music inspired by the movie Batman? Isn't that like, didn't it say that like on the, on the album cover or something like that? I mean, he flat out admitted that the, you know, this isn't from the movie, but it's inspired by them. Oh, so some of the songs on that album are not in the movie. <laughs> Most of the songs on that album aren't in the movie. Yeah. It was a bit loony. And it was Prince. It was not too long before Prince changed his name to the symbol, and, which was all mm. because he was having a real, real bad time with um, the studio. Sony, I believe. Actually, it was Warner Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's how Batman. Right. It's, it's sort of so we're all tied in together. So he had a real bad relationship with them. And. That's why he changed his name because he was trying to make like a public argument that he should be released from his contract, and it, and he his music was getting weirder and weirder and more concept album and stuff like that, and uh, and yeah, so that that was sort of the end of his uh, commercial peak, you know. And again, unlike unlike Queen, and unfortunately, uh, Matt, you're not getting any Queen music. No, there's no Queen this week. Although you know, we uh, yeah. although we do have today, we do have later on in the minute, uh, Howard Blake Q number thirty four, some uplifting dramatic music when Flash offers his hand to Baron and they shake hands. 
We love Howard Blake. I should have recognized that was Howard Blake. <laughs> Is he like a renowned composer or something? Uh, I wouldn't say renowned, but we, we love him because he gave us the honor of uh, letting us interview him as a little oh. bonus episode. And so uh, we're we're his buddies now. And uh, he's uh, this is one of the pretty much maybe one of the two things he's most famous for. But a nice career, a working guy in the industry. Yeah, so. yes, like a steady working guy in the industry, but nothing, you know, he never, you know, was never John Williams or Danny Elfman or anything. There's only two of those guys. Yeah. He did give up. Uh, to the people who haven't had a chance, you should check out our bonus episode that where we talked with uh, Mr. Blake. Uh, he actually gave Hans Zimmer, speaking of uh, Christopher Nolan movies, uh, he gave Hans Zimmer like his break to help him get into the industry. So, uh, yeah, oh, really? very cool conversation. Getting back to uh, the, the, the floating spiky, isle- spiky island, Flash is able to help uh, pull Baron up, and uh, Baron has a big change of heart. Flash has finally won him over. Uh, they shake hands, and it looks like Baron has never shook a man's hand before. Yeah, okay, so uh, <laughs> this goes into what Matt was saying about how, you know, when you watch a movie minute by minute, you could really get into the stuff. So th- in, in the really underscoring just how, you know, geeky it is to do this, I counted how long it took Baron to actually take uh, <laughs> Flash's hand. So it takes him... From the point he raises his hand to actually touching Flash's hand takes Baron more than five seconds. So either he doesn't understand this custom of shaking hands, or he's still, after all this, not entirely sure he wants to do it. Maybe it's both. You know, I think you have to take that into consideration. The first two seconds are, what is a handshake? And the last three are, do I want to do it? Ah. And I would say Dalton might have a professional manicure on that. I mean, those are some great hands. The fingernails, <laughs> almost <laughs> opaque. Yeah, I see what you're there. talking about. And especially for <laughs> someone who's supposed to be living in a swamp planet. Yeah, not, not any dirt under there. Clean. It's a clean cuticle. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's yeah, he's yeah, taking care of himself. And uh... He is a prince. <laughs> he is a prince. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. he's also the Prince of Tree People. So, <laughs> it does make you wonder, should he be a little more, uh, you know, should there be some dirt under those nails? Uh, and it's sort of the, the the weird thing with, and we've talked about it before, where uh, Timmy Dalton, definitely well-coiffed, uh, looks like he's been a fr- Freshly bathed and taking care of himself has some. Um, looks like he has some dippity do in his hair, and is that the right look to go for with Baron when he is like the leader of the Arborians, living in trees, or should should he be a little uh, dirtier? Uh, you know, and I don't know, but yeah, he's got some fine fingernails there. He's got a wide collar. I mean. I think they're going for like an Errol Flynn here thing here, right? Errol Flynn did not have dirt under his fingernails. Yes, and Flynn was another one who was living in the trees, so... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you're going to, like, throw shade in anyone's hair, I mean, Flash's hair is very quaffed in this minute. I mean, this is a famous head of hair, I think, you know. If you're going to 
be upset that anyone's hair is too perfect. I think you have to you have to look at your hero a little bit. Oh yeah, we uh, Flash's hair comes up a lot with a lot it of our should. guests. It uh, should. And, and to and to let you know that uh, movie wise, maybe five minutes ago he was sucked underneath a quicksand in a swamp. Uh, so not only it doesn't look great after having a fight, but I mean. He was just underneath quicksand in a swamp. And, and the hair was the last thing to go under. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it had, like, exfoliating properties or something like that. No, it was a, definitely an effective mud bath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the handshake, you you think, uh, Matt, you think it was just a combination of he wasn't really sure what a handshake was, and he wasn't sure if he could let go of all the anger. I think it's Dalton, like a Shakespearean-trained actor, milking the drama out of this moment. I think he's, if you look, he's making deep eye contact with Flash, trying to, you know, suss out, is this a friend or foe? I think that's really what's happening. Can he trust him? And, and you do want to milk that moment. If it happens too quick, then it, it doesn't land. But really, you should trust him. He could have just shoved you over, and, you know, he he ignored... All the calls to just let him go as uh, Voltan's calling out. You know, and some great, uh, you know, backseat fighting from Voltan. He's like, uh, he doesn't really care who goes over. It's just like, oh, you're about ready to go over. And he, he, whoever went, Voltan would seem like he would have been just as happy with uh, Flash or uh, the Prince, you know, going into uh, Grimace's anus. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, yeah, I mean, um, he's, you know, we, this is like we've talked about in previous minutes. This is, you know, the Colosseum in Rome. This is the Hawkmen's entertainment. They want somebody to die. And he's like, you know, what is this? You know, and it's a bit, what, he, he just literally does not understand what the hell's going on. How is this possible that these two guys, someone's not dying? People are going to be demanding their money back from these tickets. Yeah. Do they have to pay to get in to see this? I mean, again, if you look at these background, they're... They seem a little bored by it. God, these just must have been long days of filming. <laughs> I just... I mean, you got the hot lights, you got the, the heavy wings, the stupid helmets yeah. on. I mean, it, it's just, you know, the a fight scene's got to take days and days to, to shoot, I'm assuming, uh, you know, with a million different takes. They're probably ready to pass out. Yeah, and you're not allowed, all that talking you're doing, you're not allowed to make any actual sound. You just have to pretend to talk, which is humiliating that <laughs> you're an adult just going like, <laughs> it can it can wear on you. Matt, you've uh, you, you talked yesterday. You, you've uh, I, I've been able to act on some really great shows. You, I know uh, Fresh Off the Boat, uh, Mom with uh, Anna Faris. Uh, these are great shows that you've been uh, been able to spend some time on. They're fine. <laughs> It's, it's it's a thing to do. Nobody's getting hurt. On your way up, were you in a situation like this where you might be a background player, or even something where you're just at the focal point of a scene? Uh, and is there a particular experience you remember where you were just getting pretty darn bored by the end of it? I worked. I did this movie Sisters with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and they have a party in their in their childhood home, and. Party scenes are, are tricky because, you know, or any, like, group scene like that, 
you always have to be there, even if you're not in the scene. There's such a big crowd. So um, it, that shoot for me was a lot of, you know, standing around and pretending to talk. Or in a party, if there's like dancing, what they do is they'll play the first, you know, five seconds of a song. So you get like the rhythm and then they cut it out. So you're just dancing to no music and you just hear like the shuffling of your feet as it, it can be a, a, a pretty surreal experience. But I had, I had a fine time doing that. You know, you're getting paid. They, they, uh, they give you breaks. And on that one, there were a lot of great people around and I, this is like name droppy, but I got to, my wife was played by Samantha B. So the two of us just hung out a bunch just in the background of that. And, um, yeah, that, that was fun. And then they, there was a big backyard scene in that, that they shot indoors on a soundstage with real grass that got wet. And as the days of shooting went on, they would have to like fertilize that grass, I guess, to keep it alive. But that was not a pleasant odor. <laughs> um, but besides that, it was a great time. I, I don't mean to complain. But. No matter how entertaining or how good the movie is or how much you enjoy the experience, I, I have been lucky enough to know some people who are in, you know, the, have been in sort of movie world or TV world. And they say even the most fun experience, there's still a lot of sitting around and waiting for stuff. And there's scenes that you're not the focus of, and it can be, uh, it can be a little tricky. I, and, uh, I get a kick of you talking about having it where there's dancing and then you're just sort of shuffling around with no music. I know, uh, what was it? The, and we are sort of all, I think we're all sort of of the generation of the John Hughes movies. And I know the big scene with a pretty in pink where, you have the main characters talking on the prom floor. And I always get, I'm always so distracted by that scene because the way they did the sound, they're talking, you can tell the music's sort of piped in for the scene, but they obviously weren't using mm -hmm. the music when they were recording the dialogue. And you just hear them talking and a lot of shuffling feet in the background noise. Oh, really? You can oh, hear that. Oh, it's terrible. And once you notice, and everyone who's listening, the movie's now ruined for them because you once you hear that shuffling once, that's all you can hear whenever you see that scene. It's like, oh, here it comes. There's the the the, the board extras in the background sort of just moving their feet a little bit, just enough to make some noise on the <laughs> the gym floor. Sometimes the sound guys will put stuff on your shoes to make sure they don't squeak or do that, but that's got to be hard to do with the big... I worked on one movie where we shot like a, a scene on a, in a field at night and it had been raining and it was just mud and they're not shooting the mud, but you're, it was like deep mud. So your feet, every time you move, it's like that, that sucking sound of mud. I'm like, I am glad I'm not editing the sound on this movie because you have to cut out a lot of slurping footsteps. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to make a movie work. You, you know, there's a lot we don't notice. That there's a reason when the credits roll that you're like, 
what do all those people <laughs> do? You know? Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of important jobs that don't get a whole lot of credit. So, but the the, the experience wouldn't be the same without those people. Close up, uh, you know, the the turnaround here of a Baron. I mean, it's 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 you know. It's a stunning turnaround because he's, he's not just, you know, saying, OK, I don't want to kill you anymore. He's saying where you go, I follow. So he's not just now realizing, yes, we should join with him and team up. But he's he's a prince and he's this proud prince. He's, he's come across throughout the movie as, you know, very much, you know, I am a leader. You know, I am in charge. And he's now saying, I'm going to follow this guy who until two minutes ago I was trying to kill. And, you know, unfortunately, I've seen this movie so many times and because the first time I saw it I was so young I don't remember the first time I saw it I wish I could remember if seeing this the first time is this a huge twist to someone that Baron does come around or you know was 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 it something that a first time viewer sees coming or is it like oh wow you know I thought Baron was going to turn out to be a villain and now it turns out he's on he's going to follow Flash it's a great question I mean he almost died he, right. he just his life was saved, so you can justify. I, I, my life is yours now. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand that term. Yeah, they certainly give him enough motivation where it's sort of believable that he's like, okay, well, and Flash being such a good guy while saving him, so the believability, the believability factors there. But Prince has just been such a jerk leading up to this, and a bit of a weasel too. So. You almost wouldn't be surprised. They could have gone in a different direction. There's a couple different directions they can go on. The way they go is he's now a good guy. He is completely in Flash's camp. He's going to, whatever, wherever Flash goes, he's going to go there too. And, you know, that's great. Um, but they could have also gone where, they could have gone where they stand up, Baron raises Flash's hands, and then tries to shove him off the, uh, the Spike Island. <laughs> right, right. And they could have done something in between where Baron could have been sort of just bemused and irritated. He's like, well, I guess I need to listen to your plan. And you could have, and that would have been a different direction because it could have been more scenes of Flash trying to convince Baron this is the way to go. Um, and that could have been interesting. That could have sort of had the same feel going to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where. In the first movie, Peter Quill trying to convince Yondu to team up to work with him, and Yondu not really buying it, but out of self-interest, he's willing to go along while still threatening Peter Quill the entire time. And you could have done something similar where Baron's like, okay, you saved my life, I'll listen to what you have to say, and Flash sort of having to convince him. It, that That would have been an interesting way to go, but I think... But I'm happy with this, and this is not a movie where people are sort of good guys and sort of bad guys. It's to find good guys, to find bad guys, and people, when they come over to Flash's side, they really are on Flash's side. So it it, it, it works, although the, the logic is flawed, but, yeah, that's this movie. You wonder if, like, in the stage direction, the script, you have the whole, like, Prince looks into Flash's eyes. He realizes the error of his ways and that he ought to, you know, follow Flash. Where, you know, they, they explain everything that happens in his look and then Dalton doesn't quite, you know, we don't get all of that when we just watch the movie. That could have been what happened. Or I wonder if it was, you know, 
Dalton could have read that line a lot of different ways. You know, he could have been more reluctant about where you lead, I follow, but I wonder how much of that was his choice. Yeah, there was probably a bunch of different takes on it and just looking for the right one. We'll never know. We'll never know. No, we, we really won't because uh, Timothy Dalton actually is notorious for being someone that's impossible to get in interviews, so we really will never know. Oh, really? Yeah. Interviews about Flash Gordon or just in general he doesn't do a lot of interviews? Our pal Joe Stuber, a previous guest, uh, has his own podcast, and he said Timothy Dalton's the one person he's wanted to get for his podcast that he is just flat out it's a complete brick wall for Dalton. Tough get. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. You know. Hey, we, and we love our guests uh, that we've had on here. Uh, but I, I respect people who just don't do interviews. And he, he's no longer James Bond. He's sort of got himself into a nice, a nice comfortable place where he does some interesting work and does does some fun stuff. It, it's he's not doing the roles where you're required to spend two months just doing interview after stupid interview after stupid interview. So, yeah, good for him. But if he's listening to this show, we would like to have Timothy Dalton on. Give us a call, Tim. If nothing else, just to lord it over Joe Stuber. <laughs> Tim, flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. <laughs> you should just try Tim Dalton at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered that, like, you know, some celebrities have, you know, just the normal email. Whoever, you know, Whoopi Goldberg at gmail.com. Is that going to come back in? George Lucas 3. <laughs> Couldn't get the first one. Um, and again, this has been a, a very good second day. Uh, yeah, we, tomorrow is real exciting because uh, Clytus is back. It's a great Clytus minute, so uh, we're, we're going to – Eric is just going to be downright giddy. Any any particular um, – you know, Matt, you talked about all these great shows you've been on. Is there one particular program that you you have been on where you're just really excited about the performance you gave uh, or was a really cool episode and you want people to go out and, you know, check their uh, Comcast on demand to, to, to see you at your best? Well, that movie with the feet in the mud um, – is a sort of smaller movie uh, called Brave New Jersey that's about um, a town in New Jersey that hears the War of the Worlds broadcast and loses their minds about it for a night. And uh, stars Tony Hale and Anna Camp and uh, myself. And uh, you can find that on iTunes and on demand and stuff. So that's a smaller movie that can use... Uh, a plug, and it's a really, it's a fun sort of uh, exciting story that takes place overnight. You know, if you thought the world was ending, what would you do? Um, so, check that out, Brave New Jersey. Oh, very cool, and I love, uh, I love World of the World, War of the World stuff. Yeah, that's just a fascinating story in and of itself, and the time it, it took place at such a specific time in Hollywood history, and. Uh, so, yeah, very cool. I uh, Yeah, we'll recommend everyone check that out. Uh, Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Well, if, like Timothy Dalton, you want to send us an email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Tim, you can also chat with us on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. I'm sure we'd love to hear from you there. Or uh, connect with us on Twitter, Tim, Flash Gordon Pod. Yeah, we ask everyone to uh, give us a rating review on uh, iTunes. Uh, it helps uh, improve our visibility. 
Um, it's been another great week, and we're going to finish up strong with some more colitis. Uh, really, really, really uh, looking forward to that. But um, something else that I'm looking forward to, but I have a little bit of concern about, is uh, is coming up for me, Eric, and I'm a bit worried. Yeah. Uh, as we're recording this, uh, we're getting ready. Uh, we shall shortly be going on a little mini family vacation. We're going to lose Delaware, which is a nice, very quaint beach town. And uh, for the first time ever, the whole, my entire family of five, me, my wife, my eight-year-old son, Chase, my six-year-old twins, Logan and London, we're all going to be staying in a cabin together, and I don't know if we're all going to survive it. Fortunately, you'll be in Delaware, uh, which, as you know, as was immortalized in, in Wayne's World, hi, we're in Delaware, so, you know, you should be bored enough that there won't be any cabin fever because, you know, your brains will just shut down and no one will kill each other. But just in case you do, if just one of the five of you snaps, don't worry, Flash will save every one of us. Nothing but net on that one. Oh, he's amazing. He is amazing. (laughs) Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.
Third world. 